When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Therapy Podcast with your host, Shloimi Balsam. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Therapy Podcast. Today I decided to pick a fascinating, not entirely common diagnosis to discuss. That's what the DSM calls paranoid personality disorder. Could also be a subtype of schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia, or a precursory type of a delusional disorder. The reason why it came to mind to discuss this is I actually have a client I've been working with for quite some time who suffers, and I'm not using that term colloquially, he actually suffers from paranoia. It's taking over his life. And Arnold Reagan said that just because you're paranoid, it doesn't mean that they're chasing you. And you wouldn't be diagnosed with paranoia if they are chasing you. The thing with someone with paranoid personality disorder or suffering from paranoia is that they have an instinct or a thought process, which is probably heavily influenced by an anxiety, suspicion, or fear that makes them believe that they actually are being chased or something along those lines, often to the point of delusion and irrationality. You can have uh, beliefs of conspiracy. Know that everyone is out to get me. Paranoia is a distinct form of phobia. It could also involve an irrational fear. A person could have a paranoia that every car is trying to run me over and they won't be able to cross the street. Just out of paralyzed fear that, a, that the, the next car that comes is going to try to hit me. Now, it's not too far of a leap to understand that Let's take the car, car running over example um, that it can be caused by experience when that actually did happen. If someone was chased down by a car and has that trauma built into his psyche, he understands and fully believes with valid reason that 
cars are trying to run him over because he's seen a car trying to run, run him over. So that reality is carved into his consciousness. How's he supposed to look at a car and assume that it's not running him over? See, you and I, uh, those who don't suffer from paranoia uh, from cars running over us, we look at a car and say, yes, there is a chance that this car is going to try to run me over. This can all this whole conversation can happen subconsciously, but the chances of it not running me over are so far greater that I, I'm willing to take that chance and experience the freedom of crossing a street without fear than to not cross the street and stay safe. Common symptom of paranoia is the attribution bias. Right? These individuals typically have a biased perception of reality, often exhibited more hostile beliefs. A paranoid person may view someone else's accidental behavior as though it was with intent or threatening. If you're trying to look for symptoms of paranoia, there was a uh, research done of a non-clinical paranoid population, and they found that feeling powerless and depressed, um, isolating oneself and relinquishing activities, those are all characteristics that can be associated with those exhibiting more frequent paranoia. Cause of the suspicion and troublesome personality traits of paranoia, it's, it's unlikely that someone like that will thrive in interpersonal relationships. Most commonly paranoid individuals tend to be single. That's studies show as of 1963. It could be the entire dynamic of relationships have changed nowadays and they will have a better chance, but essentially there's going to be a, a fundamental brack in their ability to trust. We have discussed on this show a uh, so the diagnosis of, of social anxiety and that may be a, a lower level form, you know, the bottom of the hierarchy of exhibited paranoia, and that's actually quite frequent to one degree or another. Uh, the least common type of paranoia, which would be the top of the hierarchy, that would be involving more serious threats. Across the board, paranoia is that unproven belief that something bad is going to happen, or something bad is happening. So in social anxiety, I'm worried that people are going to laugh at me, or I'm going to make a fool out of myself, I'm going to have a bad time. Take that to an extreme level, I'm going to be run over by cars, aliens are going to abduct me. So there's a lack of evidence, but a very, very strong belief. A person may have um, exaggerated the likelihood of certain risks, and therefore feel the need to increase their caution. Often they'll have a mistrust of public figures, organizations, loved ones, or strangers in general. Usually they'll hold one of these common beliefs, that an outside force is controlling them, either mentally or physically. Um, others are subtly insulting or threatening them by using uh, innuendos, hints, or code words. Um, it could be an outside force is monitoring them, or others are deceiving or betraying them. Now, paranoia becomes a concern when it's affecting one's quality of life. Mild paranoia is fairly common. About a third of people will experience some non-clinical paranoia at some point in their lives. Someone with mild paranoia, they can even realize that their fears are unlikely and they don't have any basis in reality. But paranoia can grow more intense over time and a mild paranoia can develop into a debilitating paranoia. Often we'll measure paranoia based on how much the person believes the paranoid thoughts. 
which in CBT, that's like the first thing I'll do. I'll ask you, what's the thought? And immediately, how much do you believe that? Zero to a hundred. Someone can identify like, yeah, I have all these crazy thoughts and they're ruining my life, but I only believe them like 5%. And there's a lot to work with because he already has in his head all of that data, that the logic that proves that I don't actually believe that this car is running me over. We'll also judge it based on how often the person thinks about the paranoid beliefs and how much it upsets him or how much the paranoia interferes with that person's day-to-day activities. The question of what causes paranoia is fascinating. It could develop from um, a, a multiple factors. It could be a trauma, right? So if one hasn't gone through long periods of stress, like um, military vets, they're more likely to develop paranoia. A childhood neglect and abuse can also increase one's risk of paranoia and thinking in adulthood. There could also be pre-existing mental health concerns like anxiety or depression that can worsen paranoia thinking. Someone with these conditions, they may be prone to interpreting events in a negative light. There's also isolation. Paranoid thoughts seem to be more common among individuals who feel isolated from their community. Uh, this sort of isolation can occur in both urban or rural areas. Um, a lack of sleep can be a cause. In 2008, a study showed a group of 30 people with uh, high-level paranoia and over half of them experienced moderate or severe insomnia. Over there, it's hard to know whether the insomnia is causing the paranoia or the paranoia is causing the insomnia. You have that chicken or egg dilemma, but that's definitely, um, at least a, uh, it's either a symptom or a cause. Substance abuse, certain drugs can cause paranoia, like um, including cannabis, alcohol, cocaine, steroids, vitamins, and withdrawal from such drugs can also prompt some paranoid thoughts. There can be neurological issues causing paranoia, um, such as uh, dementia, Huntington's disease, or Parkinson's. It could also show up after a stroke or a brain injury. And then again, in 2014, there was a story, um, a study, a a twin study, um, that showed that genetics can be responsible for 50% of the differences in paranoia levels across the population. So you can always turn back to that um, discussion of genetics. It was uh, data collected using a mental health survey in Mexico and El Paso, Texas, that showed that paranoid beliefs seem to be associated with the feelings of powerlessness and victimization. And those beliefs were enhanced by social situations. These causes could have come from a sense of believing in external control, uh, mistrust. Those living in a lower socioeconomic status may feel less control in their own lives. Study also explains that females have the tendency to believe in external control at a higher rate than males, potentially making females more susceptible to mistrust and the effects of socioeconomic status on paranoia. There could also be mood-based symptoms, a grandiosity and guilt that can underlie functional paranoia. Robbins and Post identify three components of paranoid cognition. There's uh, number one, suspicions without enough basis that others are exploiting, harming, or deceiving them. Number two, preoccupation with unjustified doubts about the loyalty or trustworthiness of friends and associates. And number three, reluctance to confide in others because of unwarranted fear that the information is going to be used maliciously against them. Clarify, paranoid can show up in various psychiatric conditions. They could be paranoid personality disorder. That's a cluster A personality disorder, PPD. That's made it to affect about 
one to four and a half percent of adults in the U.S. But their symptoms are going to include pervasive and unfounded distrust and suspicions, paranoia, that interfere with daily life and functioning. The onset of PPD might be linked to childhood trauma and social stress, besides for environmental and genetic factors. Also show up as delusional disorder. That's the delusion is a fixed false beliefs. People with delusional disorder experience ongoing paranoia for a month or more, and it's not otherwise ideologically explainable. Delusions can be of jealousy or persecution or fall into other uh, categories. The person may feel that they're being conspired against and go to extreme lengths, including calling the police or isolating themselves. Another paradigm, it can be from schizophrenia. It's uh, Schizophrenia is a mental health condition that characterizes as hallucinations, delusions, and disorganization. Before the DSM-5, paranoid schizophrenia was a subtype of this condition, but paranoia is now considered a positive symptom of schizophrenia, which means that it occurs in addition to typical mental function, as opposed to negative symptoms that take away from typical mental function. Some people with schizophrenia have paranoid delusions. There's also bipolar disorder. Some people with... What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. PD can experience paranoia, which is usually associated with delusions, hallucinations, or disorganization causing a loss of touch with reality. So it's most common in the manic phase of bipolar disorder when they're on a super high, although it can also be experienced during the depressive phase. And then, of course, there's um, last, there's dementia. That's an umbrella term for neurodegenerative conditions that affect memory and behavior, which can include Alzheimer's disease and vascular dementia. People with dementia may have paranoid feelings related to the changes in their brain that are caused by these conditions. 
The feelings might be linked in to their memory loss as well. People can become suspicious of others as a way of making sense of misrememberings and misinterpreting events. At least 50% of the diagnosed cases of schizophrenia experience delusions of reference and delusions of persecution. Paranoia perceptions and behaviors may be part of many mental illnesses like depression and dementia, but they're more prevalent in paranoid schizophrenia, delusional disorder, and paranoid personality disorder. Now let's move on to the practical stuff. How do we treat paranoia? So paranoid delusions are often treated with antipsychotic medications, which exert a medium effect size. CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, improves paranoid delusion relative to control conditions according to meta-analysis. A meta-analysis of 43 students reported that metacognitive training, right, which is training how to think about your thoughts, reduces paranoid delusions as a at a medium to large effect size to a relative to control conditions. So you can see positive results for paranoia by learning about how you think, by studying your cognitions using CBT. Considering how damaging paranoia can be to social functioning and mental well-being, it's important to get the right help. There are some lifestyle changes that can help reduce feelings of paranoia, including mindfulness exercises, uh, meditation, and the like. That can help you bring yourself back to the here and now rather than focusing on the past events or the focus on others' intentions. Sleep quality and quantity is shown to improve paranoid symptoms. In people with alcohol, cutting back can also help control the symptoms of paranoia because substances can be a trigger. CBT as a psychotherapy can be done individually, but fascinatingly, it actually has been found to work to be more effective in a group setting. We did a session on group therapy and one of the big advantages of group therapy is that the other people in your group can say things that your therapist can't. Sometimes with paranoia when you're just so ashamed of the thought and by having the courage to share it with a number of people and seeing their reaction coming from a non-judgmental and positive place can give you the uh, courage to understand the paranoia talk back to those very convincing thoughts. There was a study done with uh, prison inmates doing uh, group CBT and I found that treatment was effective at lowering scores of paranoia. Interestingly, a group therapy may seem counterintuitive for people who are experiencing a, a deep mistrust for others, but it seems to create a safe space for people to confront their feelings with others who have similar feelings and experiences. On uh, one-on-one CBT, your first session would probably look like your therapist listening to your concerns, uh, getting to understand what the fear is, what the distrust is, and as you continue therapy, your therapist might ask more probing questions to help you identify where those feelings are coming from, what's triggering them. You may also feel more comfortable journaling about the paranoid symptoms to identify triggers rather than talking about them, and practicing relaxation and mindfulness techniques during the session can also be helpful often with my clients. I'll start off the session with a mindfulness exercise. I get into the zone to be present in the therapy. Um, even if it's a quick two, three minute exercise, you could check out my uh, three minute meditation podcast. 
when we open our eyes after that, like in a totally different headspace and you're super present, ready for growth. You could also finish with, with breathing, getting used to that activity so that when stronger emotions arise, you'd be able to work through them using this sort of muscle memory, knowing, okay, I'm gonna go back into my mindfulness state of state to pull myself back into the present and let myself be dragged into the paranoid thoughts. Paranoia can lead to violence because tend to act upon their illusions. General treatment for PPD, personality disorder can be challenging because individuals with that diagnosis are reluctant in finding help and having difficulty trusting others. I've spent so many sessions just building trust and really a really, really thick sheet of ice to break through. Um, and the goal is to break through tiny, tiny cracks at a time and building up the courage to take on that vulnerability. Even though I know that I might be hurt, I might be burnt, the car might try to run me over, but I need to cross streets. So I'm willing to make myself vulnerable to oncoming traffic or let myself go outdoors, even though aliens might be there to abduct me or make a phone call, even though the CIA might be listening because my life is worth that much. Like what I'm losing out is worth so much that I, I'm willing to take baby steps, little tiny cracks in my mistrust. And those little cracks prove to myself that it's not as dangerous as I believe. The more that a person runs away from that fear, the stronger the paranoia is gonna be. Bigger and scarier, the longer you've been running from it. Both paranoia and anxiety can create seemingly irrational fears. A paranoia tends to involve more exaggerated or unique beliefs. There's so many different types of delusions. Also, there's a persecutor delusions that people are being paid, uh, harassment, exclusion, sabotage. There's uh, jealous delusions can revolve around, around imagined infidelity or romantic relationships. Jealous delusion is different because it's not sparked by a prior incident or suspicious behavior, but a person may use innocuous behavior like wearing a new outfit as uh, evidence of betrayal. There's also somatic delusions. Those are false beliefs about one's body. A person may be convinced that, that they smell bad, even though they're sh like everyone is assuring them that they don't. Another may believe uh, that the hive of insects lives under their skin. It's, it's hard to disprove these things without evidence. There's also rhodomatic and grandiose delusions that typically does not involve paranoia. Someone with um, rhodomanic delusions believes that someone is in love with them. Someone with delusions of grandeur believe that they're special in some way that doesn't mesh with reality. Um, like they can say that they discovered a new planet. Beliefs in this category, um, they're generally positive while paranoia require, requires some sort of a retreat. Uh, I'm hearing some more narcissism in the grandiose delusions. Therapist's first goal when treating paranoia is to establish trust because defensiveness and suspicion are often part of paranoia. Individuals typically in therapy try to work on building life skills like communication skills, uh, the ability to express fears in a more relatable manner. There's relaxation skills to be able to reduce that anxiety caused by the paranoid thoughts and mindfulness skills to identify and avoid those triggers that may provoke paranoia. At the same time, CBT explores how paranoid thoughts can affect one's behavior. 
The CBT allows both the therapist and the person in therapy to examine the paranoid behaviors rather than giving the therapist all the agency. Depending on the level of paranoia, there may be psychotropic medications prescribed during therapy. Antipsychotics can make paranoid delusions feel less threatening or appear less often, but they're typically reserved for diagnoses of paranoid schizophrenia or delusional disorder. And again, just to self-help is to avoid drugs and alcohol. Get rest and good sleep, good sleep hygiene. Go to sleep in a cold, dark room. Put away your phone an hour before bed. Don't eat after eight. Uh, make a habit of meditation and mindfulness. That can reduce the worry and stress of paranoia and keep a, um, a diary. Write down the development of your paranoia over time. You could backtrack it. Fact check the paranoia over time. If you look back and be like, wait, two weeks ago, I hadn't, like, that thought seemed so real, but now looking back, it seems irrational. Uh, that can be helpful. A person may write down their worries and rate them and then identify the trigger. Like, what made me think this? They could also list evidence for or against the paranoia to determine whether it stems from rational or irrational thoughts. It's important to note that lifestyle changes alone cannot cure paranoia. You really need a mental health professional for that. But someone who keeps a diary may become paranoid about others reading their notes. Individuals may, you, may, may wish to practice these coping strategies under the direction of a therapist to make sure that they're being used effectively. These are big lifestyle changes. The only way that a, a client, a patient can break out of their paranoia is themselves. The therapist is there to guide and provide some sort of a, a clarity and unbiased perspective of those fears, um, a validation, help the client validate their own paranoias, understand where they're coming from, why they're trying to keep them safe, and then slowly help him develop that courage to do what he wants to do despite those fears. There is, at the end of the day, poor empirical evidence to PPD, and it has been suggested to remove it from the DSM. That's also why there's low research output on paranoid personality disorder, but paranoia is definitely a pervasive reality. We've all experienced it in one form or another, one level of hierarchy or another. I hope you learned something. I definitely did. It's good to be back. Thank you for your ongoing and continued support, for your comments, your emails have an idea for a podcast i'm always open for suggestions you can reach out to me at askmetherapy at gmail.com thank you for going on this journey with me have an amazing day mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.